Welcome to Not Everything Sucks with Andrew. Today, we're talking mental health and cooking with avocados, specifically avocado quiches. Very excited about this. Yeah. We have a special guest with us. But before we get rolling, we are going to be talking about some very important and sometimes very sensitive issues that include, but definitely aren't limited to, uh, suicide. So if you or someone you know are having thoughts or have had thoughts of suicide, please don't be afraid to seek help, especially if you are currently thinking, uh, please reach out to the National Service Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Melina, hi. Hi. So tell us a little bit about your first, extremely grateful that you're hanging out with us on the podcast. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I was super excited to to come today. Um, So I am currently a master's student at UT Austin. I'm studying social work. Um, but I know you, right, through UTSA. Um, I, I just met her like yesterday. Yeah, we just happened to. No, yeah, so I, I uh, went to UTSA for my undergrad. I studied psychology sure. there, um, got my degree in psychology, did a lot of work with um, a nonprofit organization that has chapters across the country called Active Minds. I started okay. a chapter at UTSA and so the primary purpose of that is to raise mental health awareness and um, do suicide prevention initiatives on college campuses. So that was my life for a good number of years at UTSA. I loved it. Um, And yeah, now now I'm at UT Austin kind of studying social work to continue that uh, suicide prevention and mental health promotion work in the future. Tell us a little bit about what Active Minds is. Yeah, so Active Minds is a student-run, student-led Um, student organization, right? And so um, it is mostly on college campuses. There are a couple of chapters across the country um, at high schools, but there are over 400 chapters total across the U.S. um, And really its purpose is to destigmatize mental health, right? So to make it something that students feel like they're able to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why the uh, college student population was targeted for this organization was because most mental health conditions kind of manifest or show up right around the time that we are in college most students right so 18 to 24 that age range and so this is like a really prime time for students to learn about mental health it's definitely not something that we learn about um, in public school right in grade school it's not a a topic that we cover and so learning about um, what mental health is what mental wellness is Mm -hmm. also learning about signs of mental illness and where to go to seek help and then also about suicide right so learning about the signs for for suicide and where to seek help for that so that's really the goal of active minds is to make that conversation okay and to to normalize it and let people know that there's support yeah today we are cooking with avocados making avocado mini quiches super excited um have you ever cut an avocado before yes okay so what we're going to do with this avocado is we're going to cut it and i'll let you do the honors okay um we want it to be as finely diced as possible um so however you want to see that being done you can take a half i can take a half and we'll roll with it all right some of the ingredients that we have going into this are Mm -hmm. salt pepper green bell peppers a cup of spinach uh cheese three egg whites three complete eggs, and quinoa. 
Do we know what quinoa is? Um, <laughs> we I don't said know what quinoa we is. We said it's like similar to rice and that it's a grain rice. and... It's like hipster rice. Yeah, it's like hipster rice. It's hipster rice. And it's We're good for you. Hipster rice. It's good for you. It's great. Yeah. Um, what I did with the quinoa is I boiled one cup of the quinoa into two cups of water until this stuff absorbs the water. It's ridiculous. It's like doing things I never expected it to do. Yeah. Um, and it got all super fluffy Oops. and... Ooh. You, the sea we got just it out. flew completely on the other side of the kitchen. That's not the first time that's happened. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad. I was like, whoops. Um, and so it creates this oatmeal type consistency with yeah. the quinoa. Um, we're gonna mix all of these things together, put them into a cupcake dish, yeah. bake them at 350 for about 20 minutes. Um, while we're dicing our avocados, uh, and mixing these things all together. Mm -hmm. uh, Melina, can you talk a little bit about what mental health is? Yeah, so the way that I kind of conceptualize mental health is three-pronged, right? So our mental health is comprised of love, work, and our sense of self. Okay. Right, so by love I mean our relationships right humans are, are social creatures and we're wired to connect with each other okay um and the quality of our relationships is is really a huge component of our overall mental health right if we okay. have that connection with friends and family that's really good for us um by work i i don't necessarily mean like conventional nine to five sure. stuff right like it's basically whatever you do on a day-to-day -day basis if you can find uh, meaning and fulfillment sure. out of that, um, that's that's a huge contributor to your mental health. And then finally, uh, the sense of self bit. Okay. And so that, that kind of entails um, self-esteem, right? Having a sense of identity, knowing who you are, and also having coping strategies in place to um, help you just get through like day-to-day -day stressors. What are coping strategies? Coping strategies are basically anything that you do to... Um, Kind of facilitate your ability to get through hard stuff, right? So like stressors that might be from work or from family. What do you do to kind of relax? Okay. Right? How do you how do you talk yourself through it? How do you um, just navigate through a difficult time? And so for some people, it might be like, oh, I will call my mom after a really long day, or it might be I'll go to the gym, or it might be I will sit and problem solve and make a list of pros and cons or whatever that looks like. So. There are various coping strategies that people probably already have without calling them coping strategies. You talked briefly about mental health stigmas. Yeah. Um, I'd like you to explain, perhaps a lot of us have mental health stigmas, yeah. unconscious biases, things we're not aware of. Um, if you help explain what they are, maybe we can identify them and not imp not deploy them into how we interact with the world before you do that. Can you hand me the whisk? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so mental health stigmas, right, are, are basically these uh, misconceptions or preconceived notions about, um, oh, we're dumping this in? Yeah. 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 Um, these notions about what mental health and mental illness mean, right, for a person. And so okay. some, some common ones, one of them kind of stems from the fact that mental health is not as visible, right, as physical health. Sure. So if someone has a broken arm, like we clearly see your arm is broken and 
you are probably going to be impaired and everyone will accept that, right? That's okay if you sure. cannot do, cannot write with your hand, for instance, right? But whenever we talk about uh, mental health, right, or having a mental illness or a mental health issue, that's not as visible. It's more abstract and we don't really have the language to say like, oh, I am feeling depressed and, you know, have other people really understand what that means. And so for that reason, um, I would say that that for some people, if, if mental health cannot be seen, then for them it's not like real. Sure. You know. Um, so that that's one stigma that uh, that really just uh, gets us. Yeah, it gets us and it gives gets a bad us. name to, to mental health. Another one um, would be, um, you know, thinking. Yeah, are we getting this all? We're, over we're putting here? it all, all in right. there. Nice. <laughs> So another uh, stigma around mental health is that it's, or mental illness, is that it's like a, a character flaw, right? So like Interesting. If, you, if you have a mental health condition, there's something inherently wrong with you. Like it's, it's about you. You did something wrong or you can't cope, right? We talked a little bit about coping mechanisms. You can't sure. cope with daily stressors and it's about you. But in reality, right, um, you know, m mental health and mental illness, it's not, uh, just in our heads, right? There's a biological basis and it's also affected by uh, social factors, environmental factors, but, but the main point is that there's a biological basis and the same way that you wouldn't tell someone with like diabetes to just, you know, get, get control over your insulin, right? You, you don't yeah. tell someone that and that's, you know, whenever we apply that logic to mental illness, it makes a little bit more sense as to why some people can't just snap out of depression or snap out of PTSD. That's just, it's just not a fair statement to make. So, um, and then the last stigma that, that uh, is really prevalent today mm -hmm. in our society is that people with mental illness are uh, violent or scary or unpredictable. Sure. And, yeah. So those are just a couple, right? And, and obviously they're misconceptions, right? Those are not true things. There's plenty of research to contradict each, each of those. Yeah. So it's important that we realize that and we not perpetuate those stigmas um, in our interactions with people. It's quinoa time. Quinoa time. All right. Let's see what happens. So if you wouldn't mind yeah. dumping the quinoa into our concoction, which All right. we've mixed everything kind of together. We fluffed the quinoa and now we, it's time to... We're fluffing the quinoa because yeah. we don't want it to be unfluffed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, I'm really excited about this recipe. One, yeah. because it's going to be delicious. And two, because it was uh, submitted to us by a good oh, friend and, cool. and someone who enjoys the podcast. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited about taking on this challenge. Yeah. Um, my hands are a little slippery, so I don't want the blood Oh, my break, gosh. But yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give you some support. Thank you. Thank you. So a lot of us, as we're dumping the quinoa in, yeah. a lot of us have jobs. Yeah. A lot of us go to school. But for those of us who have, you know, somewhat normalish jobs where we have managers, et cetera. Yeah. Um, we can say, like I did this Monday, mm -hmm. I have a cold and I have a fever, which I did this Monday. Yeah. Um, Hey, Mr. Manager, sir, what's good? Mm -hmm. I don't feel well if I go to work. Not only will I not do well, but I'll probably make other people not feel well too. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a day. And that conversation happens time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. That same conversation could potentially happen with someone who's having the equivalent of a cold, but for mental health. Yeah. How does someone have that conversation? What do they do with their manager to say, I feel X, Y, Z, I need a day? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. So I will say that, you know, I, 
the, the jobs that I've had thus far are in the mental health field, right? So my sure. managers have been super understanding and they totally get mental health and mental illness and it's a valid experience for them. So whenever I say I need a mental health day, there's really no questions asked. But uh, I know that that's not the reality for, for a lot of people. And so I think uh, it's really important that we recognize that it, it will be a difficult conversation and it's brave of us to approach it in the first place. Sure. Um, and I think just explaining to the best of your ability, you know, the first part of what you said is that, you know, if, if you're calling in about a flu, right, like I'm not going to be productive. Like I really do not feel well. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, you're not going to be, I really... Gold. Yeah. yeah. Go, go. Please and, continue. And that's that's really what it boils down to. Um, you know, it, it's to me. I well, I feel comfortable saying that. Like, I'm not going to be productive. I don't feel well, right? But I I also recognize, like I just mentioned, that I've been working in the mental health field. Like, this is my thing. And so, again, just really underscoring the bravery that it takes to say that in another field. Um, but we also have to recognize that you know, like our our generation, right, millennials. We kind of understand, you know, mental health, and it's it's becoming a more accepted and, and understood concept. But um, maybe our, our supervisors and managers are from a different generation that don't understand mental health maybe in so. the same way, right? And so that might call for a larger cultural paradigm shift in the sure. way that we understand mental health. And so we may have to be patient with that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, there's also the concept of like personal time off, right? Mm -hmm. And days that aren't necessarily labeled as mental health days, but you sure. might be able to take advantage of those um, whenever you do need a mental health day. We're gonna grab those tin, the tin, the yeah. tin of the tin of cupcake. It's a cupcake pan. Nice. You put cupcake little cups in there. If Let's we want to move this, yeah. yeah, move this out of the way. We're just making a mess today. I love it. <laughs> and then we're gonna grab that spray. Yeah. Um, if you like to spray the papers themselves. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know. Isn't that a crazy? A concept. A concept. Ooh, I know. Learning new things. Yeah. Literally every week. Um, oh, wow. This is, yeah. <laughs> you feel the power of yeah, the Yeah. I thought it was, it was going to be misty and this is like, <laughs> yeah. It's like we have liftoff. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, they for sure will and not stick. Melina, look at the consistency of this. This that is looks, crazy. That looks pretty good, though. I thought it was going to be more of a pouring kind of thing, but it looks more of a, like, Rice crispy kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Quinoa crispy. Quinoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, someone else asked a question on social media in yeah. promoting this podcast. They asked, what do we do for veterans' mental health, college students' mental health? What access, what services are provided to them if you could let us know that while i start dumping these sure. into the into the cupcakes yeah so in terms of veteran mental health um especially in a city like san antonio right where it's deemed military city usa sure. there are a lot of resources available for veterans right so like the va for instance is one uh, place you can go to to uh, kind of navigate your mental health options right if mm -hmm. that's what you're seeking um I also, I saw in one of the comments asking about uh, student veterans, right? So sure. college students who, who are veterans and who are looking for services. So I will say like, for instance, at UTSA, I checked their website and there's a specific uh, page for, for student veterans and who are looking for mental health support. And so um, the cool thing about UTSA and, and a number of, of colleges and universities mm -hmm. is that 
um, oftentimes the counseling services are free of charge, right? Which basically means we already paid for them in our tuition fees, so you sure. should you should use them. <laughs> um, and so you can get individual therapy if that's what you're seeking. You can uh, join a peer support group where you're with other student veterans and you can talk about various issues, right? Um, and then, of course, there's usually like veterans' offices on campuses that kind of help uh, serve as a liaison between other student services and, and the student veteran. Um, but yeah, the, the common issues for, for veterans are PTSD, obviously that's uh, disproportionately affects veterans. Um, but also there, there are um, other mental health conditions that are not at the level of a mental illness, but mm -hmm. things like transitioning back into civilian life. Um, you know, any transition in life can be difficult and it, it's, there's nothing wrong with seeking support whenever you're kind of taking on the role now of being a student and being back in civilian life and what that might look like for you. So, so yeah. We're ready to put these guys in the oven. They look great. Look at this. I'm excited. Oh <laughs> that looks awesome. You look so weird. Oh my they're goodness. They're kind of cute though. They're, they're cute. They're cute. They're like me. Weird. Cute. I'm not cute. <laughs> Let's not fool myself. Um, these are going to go in nice. for uh, 20? 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, um, unfortunately, they're not going to be ready to go no by problem. the end of this, but we'll post pictures. Yeah. Um, can I bother you for a napkin, actually? Oh, I, oh my goodness. Thank I'm you. so sorry. No, it's I'm, okay. I'm hoarding all the napkins. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> avocados in my nails. Um, Melina, yeah. can we buckle up for a second? Yeah. Let's buckle up. Yeah. Um, mass shootings. There is a lot of correlation with people's discussions of mass shootings yeah. and mental illness. Mm -hmm. Are mass shootings more of a gun control issue or are they more of a mental health, mental illness issue? That's a great question, yeah, and super relevant to what's going on today. Um, it's definitely a very sobering issue as well. So to put it simply, I will say that it's it's a little bit of both, right? There, there are people from the gun control sector who say like this is a gun control issue right? this is has nothing to do with mental health and i would say like that's not totally accurate but then also on the other side people that are saying it's totally only a mental health issue sure it's not about guns like that's also inaccurate yeah. right so um what what we know from research about mass shootings or acts of mass violence and, and mental illness is that um in general right people with mental illness are more likely to be the victims of violence rather than the perpetrators, right? Okay. So um, then whenever we think about mass shootings, right, in the media, we're, we're looking f to pin down like why this happened, right? Like that's sure. the question is why. Yeah, which yeah. makes total sense, right? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I will say that I think that the media uh, unfairly right always correlates the two like mental health and and mass shootings like it's always necessarily those two and it's because of mental health issues that this shooting happened right mm -hmm. and so uh, something that we that we say in like research right sure. is that uh, correlation is not causality right so there might be a host of other factors aside from the person's mental health that led to a mass shooting or an act of mass violence um, but it's unfair to just blame it on mental health and say like that's what it is um, so yeah, that's, I, I think a lot of people, especially people who believe that they're in their right mind, yeah. right? They're, they're, you know, normal people in their right mind. 
um, whatever whatever that means, mm -hmm. um, would like to say that these people who commit these acts of violence are not in their right mind as a way to almost say that could never be me. I mm -hmm. could never do that mm -hmm. because I am in my right mind and they are not. It almost monsterizes yeah. them, right? It, it's this, it's this, they are them, we are us. Yeah. Um, are people who commit mass violent crimes in their right mind? So there, there's research to suggest of, of those particular situations, right? Of those uh, people who commit acts of mass violence. Like, yeah, there is some, some connection for them sure. with mental illness, mental health, right? So I'm not going to say that there's absolutely no correlation and that, you know, it's, it's not the case because sometimes mm -hmm. it, it genuinely is. Right. Sometimes people really are not in the right minds. But um, I, I think what we tend to do is then take that and then like generalize it to say, oh, because of this segment of the population that has mm -hmm. committed an act of mass violence, because they have a mental illness, it's safe to say that people with mental illness in general are violent and mm -hmm. that they are more likely to commit acts of mass violence when that's really not true. Um, I, I think I, uh, the American Psychiatric Association in 2016 released a report mm -hmm. that said um, people with serious mental illness are implicated in like 1% of um, gun-related homicides. Mm -hmm. So just keeping that in mind, right? The, the risk for, for suicide and self-harm is much higher um, in people with mental illness than acts of mass violence. Um, we're going to go a little deeper yeah. into even more sensitive issues. Yeah. Your research... Uh, has to do with suicidality. Mm -hmm. um, what are some overarching points uh, that you wish people knew about either people going through a suicide, uh, a suicidal um, thought process mm -hmm. or preventing that from even happening? Yeah. So I think a, a good starting point is to say that um, suicidal thoughts, right, are way more common. They occur way more commonly than we think. So and I studied suicide in the college student population, and so amongst okay. college students, 20% um, of college students have, have thought about suicide at some point in time, right? So it's important for us to kind of make that okay to, to say, right, to sure. seek help for. Like, it's not something that's totally, you know, you're not the only person in the world that's ever experienced this, right? Sure. So first and foremost, I, I want to say that. Um, some misconceptions around suicide and like preventing suicide. Mm -hmm. So uh, first and foremost, I think like the, the risk factors and what those look like um, can, can be misunderstood. But one thing that um, is great to ask whenever you have any reason to suspect someone might be suicidal, mm -hmm. people think that asking the question, are you thinking of suicide, is going to somehow implant this idea in the mind of the person they're asking, sure. right? And it's going to make them more likely to do that. But research says that that's not the case, right? Like that does not happen. Um, if they've already thought about suicide, they've already thought about it. And the worst they can tell you is no, right? They're No, I haven't. Maybe they'll be offended, right? Sure. But that's better than not asking and then later on finding out that they've taken their lives, right? Like that's, sure. I'd rather be offended or I'd rather have someone be offended in response to my question than have them, you know, die by suicide and me thinking I should have just asked. Maybe I could have helped wow. them get support. Wow. Yeah. So um, 
I, it, and it's it's a scary topic, right? Like I'm it not is. gonna lie. Even for me, someone that has had personal experience with suicide, someone that has studied it and does suicide prevention efforts, like it's still scary to think about and it's still scary to ask that question in the mm -hmm. moment. Um, but another thing I want to say is that there are a lot of resources available, right? And again, mm -hmm. realizing that you're not the only one. There are other people who have um, gone through this, who are going through this, that get support. And that's like the key thing is that there is hope and there is help available. Um, and so it's a matter of, you know, navigating your resources, reaching out to your support network mm -hmm. and um, receiving the support that you need because you absolutely deserve it. Right. And there there are ways to to manage this and to overcome this. Let's elevate up a couple levels yeah. and talk about seeking support and help. Yeah. So I am normal person Andrew Hubbard. Mm -hmm. I am a relatively happy person. I do relatively happy things mm -hmm. like cook with avocados and go mm -hmm. to work and you know try to get better from colds and the flu and all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> um, if someone were to come to me and say, I'm not exactly sure how to put my finger on it, but I think there might be something going on in my head that I'm not sure what it is, some mental health issue, some mental illness issue, um, what do I do? What do I say? How do I react to that person? Yeah. So great first step is just to listen, right? And that sounds like duh, right? But there are so many times and it's even happened to me where I kind of confide in someone like hey I'm not feeling well this is you know a mental issue that I think I'm, I'm dealing with yeah. and they're like oh no 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 like they're almost so afraid of it being true that they're oh no 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 like I'm gonna dismiss that right like mm -hmm. that's totally not the case um, everyone goes through that uh, it's really not that big of a deal right mm -hmm. and so in that moment you've like totally invalidated the other person and you've okay. broken that that connection that level of trust like they're trying to confide in someone to that's like their first step in getting help right is yeah. vocalizing it and you shut them down yeah so that's what not to do right so what you can do is listen right you listen non-judgmentally you're not there to tell them what they're feeling or thinking is wrong because you're not them right you don't know yeah. um but you you try to validate as best you can right and so that might sound like you know wow that sounds really difficult this must be very hard for you. I can't imagine what that feels like. Mm -hmm. So those are just like three basic things that you can say. And the person will continue to talk, right? As long as you don't, um, you know, stop their, their flow conversation or their thought process yeah. by telling them, no, 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 it's, that's not the case. Yeah. They'll keep talking to you and they'll keep opening up. And then I think from there, you know, after you've, you've listened and validated that experience, yes. I think a, a logical next step is to say, okay, well, you know, you're, you're not alone, right? Like I am here with you and together we can figure out what the next steps might be. So maybe that's calling another friend or mm -hmm. a parent, right, to, to let them know what's going on. Or maybe that's looking into resources in the community. So maybe they're at a university, you can look sure. into the counseling center sure. um, there. Maybe you are at a workplace and there's the like employee assistance program that might be able to offer you some mental health support. Um, or maybe it's looking at, for instance, uh, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, NAMI, uh, is a national organization for those uh, that advocates for those with mental illness. And so there are local chapters across the country that have compiled a resource guide, right? So for instance, there's one in San Antonio and it's pages and pages long of all the mental health resources that are available. Whether you're looking for individual support, group support, if you're looking uh, for someone that cover, that, uh, takes your insurance, whether you're uninsured, right? Like you can figure out what your next steps will be. Okay. So just being there for that other person during that difficult time, 
right? And not shaming them, not judging them, not telling them that they're crazy for thinking the way that they are. Just listening to them and helping them through that is is so crucial in that in that really sensitive moment. I think from what you've said, if you are the person who is going through that, you could almost say allow yourself to be validated yeah. in who you are. Um, I would I would think that being able to trust friends you can trust or yeah. trust family mentors etc you yeah. can trust yeah um there's a lot of things in this conversation that suck yeah um we're not we're called <laughs> we're not called everything sucks we're right. we're called not everything sucks melina what doesn't suck about mental illness, mental about health. Mental yeah. Illness and mental health, yeah. So there's a, a growing movement, right, to promote mental wellness and mental health, right? So it's not just about being mentally ill, you are or you're not, right? Like that's not what it is anymore. We're, we're really operating under the premise that everyone has mental health, mm. the same way that everyone has physical health, and it's worth investing in and taking care of, right? So even if you don't have a mental illness, you still, you know, those going back to those three elements of, of uh, what mental health is, uh, love, work, and self, you still have those components that you do have to intentionally nurture and um, tend to. And so, you know, there's this growing movement that of, of millennials and others sure. who are kind of changing the way that our society thinks about mental health. And that's really promising, right? There's... Um, Organizations like Active Minds, right, that are, are spreading the message and normalizing conversations and letting people know it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to seek help. Sure. Um, you know, there there are movements, you know, at the political level to improve our mental health care system, right? Like, that's huge. Yes. Because it's one thing to, to raise awareness and say, hey, there's resources available, and it's another thing to make sure those resources are available. Sure. Right? Um, so, yeah, those are two just kind of big big picture things that don't suck. Um, but other things too are, are just seeing the way that uh, people practice self-care, right? And so mm -hmm. the way that people take care of themselves and nurture those three areas of, of mental health. And so, um, you know, for a lot of people, like for instance, my mom, right? Her, her idea of self-care is like working out twice a day, right? And we, we so I just want to say that we practice self-care a lot of times not even knowing that we're practicing sure. self-care. So for her, it's a restorative Thing to work out twice a day like she feels better it kind of clears her mind it increases her ability to cope with things and that's amazing right like on a small micro level it's like that's awesome mom right yes. um, for me that's not how I practice self-care right? sure. I don't work out two times a day <laughs> um, but it's awesome to, to see uh, you know my friends and and my family members doing that and seeing how everyone practices self-care differently and that's a, a big message that I want to give out today too is that um, it's important for us to incorporate self-care every day. Again, even if you don't call it that, even if it's like, no, I just go to the gym, or no, I just call my mom every day, or no, I, it's sure. really just me going to church. Whatever it looks like for you, whatever it is that gives you that uh, sense of meaning, fulfillment, restoration, helps you de-stress, like do it and keep doing it because that's really what keeps us um, balanced and healthy. Melina, thank you so much yeah. for coming and educating us, encouraging us. Um, your time is completely invaluable uh, and we're grateful to have you with us. Thank you for having me, it's been great. If you are having any thoughts of suicide 
or you know someone who has. There's a couple of resources for you. The first is the National Service Prevention Lifeline. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's a way that you can use your phone to text in the same fashion. You uh, text HOME to 741-741 to reach the crisis text line. Um, if we learned anything, we learned that we are valid. Our thoughts are valid. And um, help might just be a phone call, a conversation, or a text away. Yeah. Not everything sucks. Not everything sucks. And we're glad we got to talk a little bit about why. We'll see you next week.